Yes, the wheels are finally coming off the train. The Cuomo train, of course. New York's once hero governor to many during the course of this pandemic, not by virtue of any merit, but by virtue of the fact that the New York media and even the national media pumped him up to make him some sort of antichrist against the Trump phenomenon, uh, is now suffering in his cherished image. The bloom, so to speak, is now affirmatively off the rose as a third woman has come forward to accuse the governor of sexual impropriety. This on top of his absolute criminal behavior in his uh, culpability in the deaths of 15,000 New Yorkers as a result of his benighted move to put them into nursing homes after testing positive for COVID-19, thereby infecting other otherwise safe residents. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three ways. Either go to the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store and simply search for the NPO podcast or download the free Podbean app, which we use as our hosting service in either of those two app stores and subscribe to the show that way. Either way, you'll be able to make comments, leave reviews, and we please do ask that you leave reviews uh, because the more reviews we get of a positive nature, the more readily the show will be discovered by those searching for new media content and the more quickly its audience base will grow. And that, of course, is the objective. Now that the mainstream media, we all know, can no longer be trusted, they don't report news, they simply manufacture news, people are more and more turning to podcasts and alternative sources of information. And the once mighty AM radio, which is where people got a lot of their news, is now fallen to the wayside particularly with the death of the great Rush Limbaugh, whom we all still mourn and miss. I still can't believe the man is gone after over 30 years on the air. He was the most influential voice ever in radio and probably the most influential voice in media. I don't think there's any, any dispute about that among people who are being honest with themselves. But let's get back to our... Our current problem, the governor, which may soon cease to be a problem. It seems now a growing number of legislators are pushing for Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign. And remember that the New York legislature is firmly in the hands of the Democratic Party. This after Anna Rook, 33, said Monday that she and Cuomo met at a wedding in 2019, and that the governor made unwanted advances toward her, including asking whether he could kiss her. A photograph showed Cuomo gripping Rook's head with both of his hands. Representative Kathleen Rice, Democrat from New York, shared a story about Rich Rook's allegations on Twitter, writing, The time has come. The governor must resign. Quote, Cuomo weaponized the Moreland Commission against his political opponents. Several of his close associates have been convicted of corruption. He hid nursing home deaths. And now he's facing multiple allegations of sexual harassment. The pattern is clear. Cuomo must resign, added Representative Claudia Tenney. State lawmakers joined the call, including some Democrats. 
Assemblywoman Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, a Democrat, said it's time for the governor to resign. State Senator Gustavo Rivera added, I've seen more than enough as well. Cuomo needs to resign. Uh, State Assemblywoman Nathalia Fernandez wrote on Twitter, How many more women need to come forward? Governor Cuomo needs to resign. Isn't it funny how fast this all happened, though? You see, when the party needs you for something, they held Cuomo out as this great manager with his ridiculous press conference and his unbounded arrogance, uh, his inherent superiority, his air of superiority. They needed somebody to hold out as an effective leader in the Democratic Party while trying to paint Trump as an ineffective leader, even though we now have three vaccines against the COVID-19 virus, none of which we would have if it were not for President Trump's leadership. This call that there was no plan to inoculate Americans when they came into office is ridiculous, since millions had already been inoculated before Sleepy Joe ever came up. And they couldn't hold out Sleepy Joe during the pandemic as a as an American leader, because first of all, at the time, he wasn't leading anything. He was um, a former politician, a former elected official. And secondly, it's very tough to lead anything when you're sleeping all the time and don't know where you are the other half of the time when you are awake. So they trumped up this thing with Cuomo, made him out to be some sort of hero. Now we know nothing could be further from the truth. Taking COVID-19 positive patients and mandating that nursing homes, facilities that house the most vulnerable among us for COVID-19, to accept COVID-19 patients when there was ample resources to bed them elsewhere, namely the Javits Center, where Trump had set up a 3,000-bed hospital, and the hospital ship Comfort, which could hold 1,000 more, which Trump sent into New York Harbor after Cuomo whined about needing more space is criminal. That is, at the very least, criminal negligence. At most, it's a reckless act and would elevate it to manslaughter. Anybody else would be in handcuffs. This is ridiculous that this man is still around. But it all seemed to come tumbling down at once. First, it was the Attorney General with the nursing home scandal revelations. And now these women all seem to be popping up out of nowhere. I kind of get the feeling that they try. there's an organization out there or some group out there that keeps dirt on people just so when the time comes to get rid of them, they can. And someone has obviously decided that it's time to get rid of Governor uh, Mario, uh, not Mario, Governor Andrew Cuomo, who we affectionately call on this show Benito Cuomo, Il Duce. He's decided to go. It's, it's quite clear to me and it should be to you that Cuomo is not going to be allowed to run for a fourth term. He's probably not even going to be allowed to finish out this term. In fact, I don't think he should be, and I don't think he will be. I think he's going to be threatened either by the Justice Department or by some of these other women that the party is going to come to him and say, look, unless you want us to go through an all-out impeachment, uh, it's time to say that in light of the pandemic uh, and your mother's advancing years that you want to be home with her and you need to take care of her, which, of course, everybody knows is, is bull, and they're going to know what it is, but it'll give him a little bit of cover and try and get out with dignity, but he's going to be gone. It's, just a, it's not even a question of if anymore. 
It's just a question of when. And it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And I say that tongue in cheek. What A bigger piece of garbage you couldn't find at Andrew Cuomo than perhaps his, his brother Chris, Chris Cuomo. But at least Chris Cuomo isn't responsible for anything other than reporting very bad news on a very third-rate news channel. Uh, he's not allowed to report on his brother's plight anymore. So he lost a big ally there at CNN. Uh, pumping up his brother with these softball interviews and these softball questions. And I hope they take him right down to the basement, right down to the the uh, infernal regions of hell, because nobody deserves it more than Andrew uh, Cuomo. Uh, even the New York State Legislature is now passing legislation or looking into passing legislation to strip him of the emergency powers that they granted him to run the pandemic. They're slowly trimming him back and clipping his wings. Now, Cuomo's office has not responded to any of these uh, comments by the politicians I read a few moments earlier. Uh, He released a statement on Sunday saying he never intended to offend anyone or cause any harm. Here's his statement, quote, At work sometimes I think I am being playful and make jokes that I think are funny. I've never thought he was funny, did you? I do on occasion tease people in what I think is a good-natured way. I do it in public and in private. You have seen me do it at briefings hundreds of times. I have teased people about their personal lives, their relationships, about getting married or not getting married. I mean no offense and only attempt to add some levity and banter to what is a very serious business, added Cuomo. Uh, I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal, and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I acknowledge some of these things I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted flirtation. To the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. Apparently, the statement did little to appease detractors. Bill de Blasio, who hates Cuomo, is still calling for a full accounting in the nursing home scandal. Not that I really care much about anything Bill de Blasio has to say. He's a piece of crap. He got rid of his school chancellor, getting the school chancellor to resign, saying he needs time to grieve. Maybe it's because he made many stupid racist statements about uh, too many white students or Asian students getting into this advanced, these advanced learning programs. So they clipped his wings, too, because there's certain things he still can't say, even in New York City. He can't make stupid statements like that. Uh, And I'm going to have a little bit more about that in a a second. Uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James, uh, around the same time as this accounting of the uh, nursing home scandal was being asked for by Bill de Blasio, announced that she's launching all kinds of investigations after the accusations uh, were sent to her. So it's going to be fun to watch what happens uh, with Il Duce, who will no longer or won't be Il Duce for much longer, I should say. Now, the school chancellor says he lost, the school chancellor of New York, says he lost 11 family members and relatives to COVID, and this is why he's resigning, because he needs to grieve. He needs to heal. He needs to take care of himself. Apparently, He was a very controversial man. He clashed with parents at public meetings. 
He once abruptly left a chaotic Queens gathering during a heated exchange with a mother over school safety. This was reported in the New York Post. So they got rid of him. And, of course, he's taking the heat for this fully remote learning. Now, we have a couple of interesting things about that. But first, before we get to the remote learning, let's get to this little piece of information. You know, much has been said about the Asian students being disproportionately represented in advanced learning and a lot of the white children as well. But you may have heard of a man named Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell is a black man. He's probably one of the most brilliant economists this country's ever produced. Because as an old Jewish saying goes, figures don't lie, but liars figure. And Thomas Sowell, through economic analysis and the use of other statistics, has been able to prove much of what people accept as fact as nothing more than fallacies. Now, Asian, like, for instance, they want people to believe that people's lot in life, whether it be good or whether it be bad, uh, or the roads they choose and the paths they take are much to do with the society that they're in and not just a cultural um, affect regardless of where these people are located. And that's what's been said about Asians, that Asians uh, overwhelmingly produce uh, or or pursue um, academic things in the fields of science and mathematics. And as Dr. Sowell uh, pointed out through economic research, Asian people pursue these fields of endeavor regardless of what country they're located in. This is not something unique to Asian Americans. If you have Asians in Malaysia, they focus on science and mathematics. You have Asians in China, they focus on science and mathematics. How the hell do you think they became such great hackers as they are? Wherever they are, that's what they focus on. So trying to blame people's success as, as a result of preferential treatment or a focus that's unique to the United States experience and by extension blaming other people's failures for the new for the uh, United States experience is a fallacy this is just the way it is now it's not just New York that's making these stupid statements and there's one middle school that came under fire where they put very very racist stuff up on the uh, on the school's website we reported on that last week But I have an email that was sent to me by a friend, an article written that talks about the hypocrisy of the Boston education system. Your hypocrisy knows no bounds. Now, let's get a working definition of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy may be defined as the practice of engaging in the same behavior or activity for which one criticizes another, or the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. Psychologists would suggest that hypocrisy is the failure to follow one's own, one's own expressed moral rules and principles, lending credence to the oft-used phrase, do as I say, not as I do, or alternatively, rules for thee, but not for me. Now, is that ever more evident in politics than it is any place else? I mean, you really can't deny the inherent truth in those statements. We have the Democratic left, led by Nancy Pelosi in this country, bemoaning the wall that Trump swore he would build when he campaigned in 2016. 
And he did build almost 500 miles of wall. Walls are no good, we heard from Nancy Pelosi. Walls are ineffective, we heard from Nancy Pelosi. Walls are immoral, we heard from Nancy Pelosi. But for a woman who feels this way about walls, she seemed to have no compunction against ordering one being erected to protect the Capitol and living behind one. So apparently they're very effective and they're very moral and they're very good when it suits her or when it suits her Democratic ilk, not when it protects the rest of us from bringing in the new crew of Democratic voters from impoverished third world countries and their ignorance and their disease and their pestilence, all to support the welfare state, which they will gladly vote for, courtesy of the Democrats who brought them here. So the hypocrisy is everywhere. Hypocrisy can be seen in Cuomo's predecessor, or one of his predecessors, um, Elliot Spitzer, who made a career out of prosecuting Johns and prostitutes and moral crimes when he was the Manhattan DA, and then became the governor of New York and did the same thing. Hired high-priced call girls, never saw a day in jail, deserves to be put in the slammer like anybody else. Complete piece of garbage, Elliot Spitzer. And the left was out there making all kinds of apologies for him. Well, you know, these men, they're just, they're just so intellectual. You know, they, they need this escape. Are you kidding me? Is this the Me Too movement? They need escape? So they need to go out and hire call girls illegally? Oh, please. But not if it was a Republican. If it was a Republican, he couldn't get away with that. But let's get back to this Boston school district. This man writes this article... This morning, I read in the Atlantic City Press that Boston schools have suspended advanced learning classes because too many of the students enrolled are white or Asian. The ridiculousness of this action astounds me and flies in the face of everything our nation stands for. Indeed, Thomas Jefferson must be turning over in his grave. You may know that the inscription on the ceiling of the Jefferson Memorial's rotunda in Virginia reads, I have sworn before the altar of God eternal hostility against any form of tyranny over the mind of man. Now, I know that that's in the Jefferson Rotunda. I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Jefferson was a brilliant man. He was a brilliant writer. He's not one of my favorite founding fathers. He's a big hypocrite because despite him having sworn before the altar of God eternal hostility against any form of tyranny over the mind of man, he certainly didn't or must not have sworn before the altar of God eternal hostility against any form of tyranny over the bodies of man because Jefferson owned slaves. Jefferson owned slaves. He was only, uh, he was one of the first 12 presidents of the first 12 presidents in this country. Only two didn't own slaves. John Adams and his son, John Quincy Adams. And yet John Adams is made, made sport of by many historians. But be that as it may, that's not the topic of this article. Are we to assume that the people in charge of education in Boston believe that brilliant students should not be allowed to expand their intelligence and grow in favor of making them less intelligent and average when compared to others in their age group? Are we to believe that excelling in academics, athletics, theater, music, or the arts is to be downplayed because these talents and skills are beyond the reach of the average individual? Are we to understand that recognizing superior performance is no longer in fashion or appropriate? 
Where will the next Jonas Salk, Albert Einstein, or Robert Oppenheimer come from? Where will we find a Neil Armstrong, or an Audie Murphy, a Gail Sayers, or a Jim Brown? Where with all the medical discoveries, or where will, rather, all the medical discoveries come from? The innovation in technology, a strong military twice in the 20th century, saved Europe from the depths of fascism and Nazism, and then rebuilt 19 countries in Europe and the entire nation of Japan in the aftermath of the devastation that was World War II. Have we lost our senses? Most immediate thought in reading this was it reminded me of the Kurt Vonnegut dystopian science fiction short story published in 1961 entitled Harrison Bergeron. In case you have never read this short story, let me briefly summarize it for you. In the year 2081, the 211th, 212th, and 213th Amendments to the Constitution dictate that all Americans are hereafter fully equal and not allowed to be smarter, better looking, or more physically able than anyone else. The Handicapper General's agents enforce the equality laws, forcing citizens to wear handicaps, masks for those who are too beautiful, implant loud radios that disrupt thoughts inside the ears of the intelligent people, making them average, and impose heavily heavy weights for the graceful, strong, or athletic. Now, I, I bring this to your attention because if you think this is not possible, you're a fool. If government is allowed to go unchecked, that is absolutely going to be impossible. But there will be people who are unequal, and those will be the people who are ruling us. See, nothing ever, ever applies to them. You see that today. You don't think it's true? During Obamacare, you were forced to give up your doctor, even though that lying swine said, if you like your doctor, you can keep it. You can keep him. You like your health plan, you can keep it. You weren't allowed to do either. You had to take the health plans that were available in your state. And you weren't allowed to shop out of state. And in some states, only one plan was available. And you paid through the nose for it. But you notice that Obama didn't have to adhere to that. He didn't have to sit there with Obamacare. And neither did any of the 500 elected representatives of Congress, the 435 congressmen, congresswomen, and the 100 senators. They had their own platinum health care system, and you're paying for it. So it's very easy to pass laws when they don't apply to you. Uh, and this is all over, the, all over the, uh, the roadmap. We have more examples coming up. But I wanted to talk about this because if... Other ethnicities are not doing well or not pursuing these rigorous academic fields like mathematics and science. Whose fault is it? Like Ronald Reagan said, some of our people on the left can't help look at a fat man and a thin man without feeling that the fat man got that way at the expense of the thin one. And these people are applying the same logic. They want to believe that these Asian and white students who got into these advanced learning programs got there at the expense of black and Hispanic students. No. Maybe the culture in those households are not driving people to pursue academic excellence. We must find out what the socioeconomic causes are, the cultural causes are, for people pursuing things that they do. 
uh, and then we can get a true correction. But you don't raise people up by taking people who are up and bringing them down. You don't create wealth by dividing it up. You create wealth by creating new opportunity for wealth to be made. Redistribution does not make people wealthy. It makes people more equal. It makes people economically more equal. But it does so by dumbing them down and making them poorer, not by enriching their lives. But this sort of hypocrisy is infectious infectious in all aspects of our society. In California, the New York Post reports, we have a great head of the teachers union out there. Now he's being slammed as a hypocrite for taking his kid to a school. And you got to see this guy. What a freak he looks like. What an unkempt piece of trash this president of the Berkeley Federation of Teachers is. And Mr. Gorilla, no, not Gorilla, what the hell, that's the Gorilla Moms is the organization. Matt Meyer is the man, I'm sorry. Gorilla Moms is the organization that went after him and caught him red-handed. Matt Meyer, head of the California Teachers Union, has been now blasted as a hypocrite, according to this article in the Post, after he was caught dropping off his two-year-old daughter at her private preschool, despite saying it was unsafe for children to be back in classrooms. Meet Matt Meyer, white man with dreads and president of the local teachers' union. He's been saying it is unsafe for your kid to be back at school, all the while dropping his kid off at a private school, a group known as Gorilla Moms said on Twitter. Meyer, president of the Berkeley Federation of Teachers, has fought for what he called the gold standard for the educators, saying the school should only reopen to in-person learning when the teachers are vaccinated, among other criteria. Mr. Meyer, have the teachers at the private school where you're dropping off your little daughter been vaccinated, you lying piece of crap? Looking to prove a double standard by Meyer, Gorilla Moms, followed Meyer and his daughter to her preschool, where they captured him dropping her off on February 18th. Matt Meyer, the Berkeley Federation of Teachers president, this is her quote, blocks opening public schools in person, yet has had his own child in person school since June of 2020. Stop the hypocrisy. Our children are suffering. Open schools full time. Now, just listen to those numbers. He's had his own child in in-person school since June 2020. You don't think this is the elites working here? The girl is two years old now on February 18th. What was she in June? A year and a half? A year and three months? This guy wasted no time in making sure his little girl got an earliest leg up as possible on getting into Harvard by getting her education from a professional at a year and a half of age. When her immune system is not fully developed, I guarantee you a year and a half old child is probably more at risk from COVID than a child who's seven or eight. Wouldn't you agree? Apparently that didn't factor into his thinking. He wanted his little girl in school and he got it. And the group is rightfully asking, why is it safe for him, but not the rest of us? Rules for thee. Not for me, as the saying goes. That's what we have going on here. Hypocrisy on grand display. But I don't want to leave you in a depressed state. So let's close with something more positive. The future. The future is not as dim or grim 
as many people like to believe. Now, there are problems. There are definitely problems. There are problems we need to look out for. Most of us know, just because of sheer mathematical probabilities, that there was ample evidence that the election was stolen and that it was major amounts of fraud and corruption in those six states. I believe there was fraud in almost every state. It's just that people have gotten so used to those states being won by Democrats um, that nobody questioned it when a Democrat won it. But New York was not won by the same margin it's normally won by. I begin to wonder if, if Biden even really won New York. You can't tell me a man who never left his basement, never campaigned, not only wins an election, but gets more votes than any other candidate in history. Now, they want you to believe that's because Trump was so hated. But that fails in the, in the face of logic, because if the man was hated, his vote total would have gone down. If you recall, the, 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 benighted, the, the holy one, the knighted one, the exalted, the immaculated Barack Hussein O won re-election with three and a half million fewer votes than he won election with in 2008. Trump increased his vote total from, in 2016 by 12 million votes. Where did these votes come from if this man was so hated? If the bloom was off the rose, his votes should have gone down from 2016, not up. In fact, no incumbent has ever increased their election total in their re-election by as much as Trump did. Even Ronald Reagan didn't. Trump increased it by more than anyone in history. And every other metric says he should have won. The downstream races, the down-ballot races, the economy, everything. And we're to believe this idiot won. The biggest problem we have going forward, ladies and gentlemen, is that the election process has been corrupted. And if we cannot have fair and free elections, we can never be assured of winning any meaningful races ever again. Anybody who, is, who wins from the Republican Party will be handpicked and simply allowed to win. If these election changes that were made in the six states, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, Nevada, and Wisconsin are allowed to become permanent. And we know that this was the reason because the Democrats in Congress have been very busy at trying to make them permanent. You see, all of those states I just mentioned, even though they're under Democratic rule in terms of the governors and the Secretary of States, the legislatures in those states are Republican and Republican-controlled. And in the intervening four years, those Republican legislatures can pass legislation to undo everything that the governors and the Secretary of State illegally did to facilitate Joe Biden's election and steal the election from Donald Trump. And the Democrats in Congress know this, which is why we have H.R. 1, which we talked about and broke on this program last week. H.R. 1, among other things, would make a federal law mandating that those standards that were used in those six states be adopted by all 50 states, making permanent these changes and beyond the ability of any given state legislator to change it. You'd have mandatory registration. You'd have to opt out of registration. You'd have same-day registration, mail-in registration, online registration, no verification of identity. It would be a completely corrupted banana republic if this was allowed to happen. 
So we have to do everything we can to defeat HR1. Now, one of the ways you can try and defeat these things and overturn these things is by having elected representatives who represent the will of the people and not the will of the elites. For years, we've been governed by a minority. We've been governed by uh, a very, very small percentage of the population. Trump changed all that. And we now know, after Trump's speech at CPAC on Sunday, he is the undisputed master and leader of the GOP. Now, I have been in favor all along of creating a third party, but I wanted a real third party, a third party from the top down, not just for the presidential race. But I wanted a third party run by Trump, not for the purpose of splitting the vote between the Republican Party and the new third party, but of displacing the Republican Party and creating a new party in its stead. Because I believe the Republican Party is just too corrupt. It's irredeemable. Trump has a different view. He thinks that making a third party and trying to displace the Republican Party is wrought with risk. He thinks the best way of neutralizing the Republican Party is not by creating a competing party, but by taking over the party because he's the one that now wields the most influence within it. And I have to say, in the benefit of hindsight and retrospect and listening to him speak and analyzing a little further, I have to agree with him. It might be possible to do it my way with a third party, but it would take an awful long time. And Trump is an extremely vigorous man, but he is 74 years old after all. And it looks like barring a health issue or some unforeseen thing, uh, he may very well be the candidate for 2024. And how he's going to go about it? He's going to primary every Republican in every federal office that turned on him and failed to support him. They're all going to go. They're all going to be primaried. And Trump is going to support every one of those people that are running against those people. Trump is not going away. He made that abundantly clear in CPAC. And I've said it all along. He's not going away. Going away. The Epic Times has a headline, one of their stories published today. Trump's speech cements hold over GOP. Charts party roadmap. In that speech, Trump disavowed the third party idea while laying claim to the GOP throne. He outlined a party platform focused on restoring election integrity, reopening schools, stopping illegal immigration, standing up to China and breaking up big tech monopolies, among other issues. The president also set the groundwork to exert influence influence over the Republican National Committee via the pocketbook by channeling donations toward his cause to the DonaldJTrump.com website and his Save America Political Action Committee. Quote, President Trump's speech at CPAC cemented his spot as the leader of the Republican Party and laid down the gauntlet against Biden and his left-wing policy agenda, said Andy Sarabian, a Republican strategist and spokesman for Donald Trump Jr. It's absolutely true. But look at that thing. Look at that agenda he just listed. Reopening schools. Who doesn't want that? Every parent I know wants to reopen schools. Stopping illegal immigration. Who doesn't want that? Standing up to China. That's what he said all along. And the breaking up of the big tech monopolies, that was something people were already kind of soured on in 2016, and they're really soured on since then. That's just another, another rung in his ladder, his political ladder. People want to break those things up. 
They are controlling everything you see, everything you hear, and they have reserved for themselves the authority to get to decide who gets to speak and who doesn't. Who the hell are these antisocial, uh, mentally defective pieces of crap? You think Mark Zuckerberg is normal? He's a weirdo. An antisocial uh, person who develops the greatest social network? He didn't develop it. He stole it from his classmates at Harvard. Jack Dorsey? From Twitter, you don't think he's a weirdo? Accuses the Trump people of, of causing violence. Meanwhile, he facilitated violence all over this country with Twitter when it suited him in places like Oregon and Minneapolis and Washington. Give me a break. There's another little piece here. And um, this piece is also from the Epic Times. It's more of an editorial uh, article. And I wanted to read it to you to give you a little hope uh, and to not leave you on a sour note. You know, I, I don't lie to you when I get on this podcast. I try and give you bad news if I have bad news to give you, but I don't want you to believe that all the news is always bad and that there's no hope. I just believe in honesty. I have to tell you what we're up against if we're able to, if we're ever going to be able to overcome it. Now, this is an article written by Roger L. Simon. It was published today in the Epic Times. And it's a, it's a commentary. The title of the article is Trump 2024 is, parentheses, practically, end of parentheses, inevitable. He says, in an earlier article, I explored the possibilities for the Republican Party should Donald Trump decide not to run for the presidency in 2024. I have to admit, however, that it was pretty much of an academic exercise, the kind we pundits are paid to do. But as the night follows the day and Pluto, whether it's a planet or not, revolves around the sun, Trump will be the Republican candidate in 2024. You don't have to be sitting 50 or 60 feet from him during his electric CPAC speech, as I was, to know that. You only have to be a sentient human being. Donald Trump loved being president, and he does not like to lose. Only a force majeure of untold dimensions or a serious health setback would stop him, or as he blithely put it, from winning the presidency a third time. Now, the article says he's not going to go weigh in on who won in 2020. He says, but I will ask one Zenish question. The Democrats and their press buddies keep demanding the concrete evidence the Republicans have that Trump won. What concrete evidence do they have that he lost? The poll, the, the actual uh, poll data? which we know is, is, is subject to an uh, immense amount of fraud. Anyway, whether it will be 2.0 or 3.0, what should we look for in the Trump 24? Will he change? Has he changed? Or will Trump always be Trump? I'm going to suggest that we may be getting an improved version. And there's a reason why he says this. Listen to this. For one thing, as many mentioned, he looked younger and fitter at CPAC. But that could be transitory. What is more interesting is that he has ceased, for the most part, one of his more irritating flaws, punching down. When is the last time you have heard him go after the likes of Rosie O'Donnell? Not for a while. He picks his enemies better now, for legitimate reasons, and to more effect. He brushed aside Mitch McConnell in an almost casual manner during the CPAC speech and made it clear who was really the boss of the Republican Party. And it's not the now minority leader, Mitch McConnell. 
This may lead to the correction of what, in the view of many, was Trump's greatest overall flaw, a surprising inability to pick right people to work with him. Now, you could see that. Now, I think Trump was very, very good at picking people because he's an organization man, and no organization could be as successful as, as his became without picking the right people because you have to be able to delegate. You can't do everything yourself. But still, I share this writer's uh, observation here. What in the Sam Hill was Anthony Scaramucci ever doing in the White House even for five minutes or Amorosa? More importantly, Trump did not immediately fire James Comey. I suppose he thought he could win over the treacherous FBI director with his charm, forgetting or ignorant of Truman's famous admonition, if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. But Trump has been in Washington now. And though he's still perceived as an outsider, he's been inside. And still, although he wants to turn the place inside out, when he goes back there, he's going to use that knowledge to very, very good effect. And he will not fall victim to many of the things he fell victim to the first time. I just wish that Rush could still be with us to see it. Of course, it could be argued that Obama was worse at picking people. And I would be the first one to argue that. The Reverend Al Shopton practically lived in the West Wing, but Barack had his own reasons for exploiting the notorious race baiter. Still, as Reagan aptly put it, people are policy. And I strongly suspect the 2024 Trump would be much more careful about who is around him. You can bet Christopher Ray will be out the door in a heartbeat, among others. In fairness, Trump also had some extraordinary people on his team, this article goes on to say many of whom we can assume will be brought back. Larry Kudlow, great economist. Steve Mnuchin, excellent Treasury Secretary. Peter Navarro, Harvard graduate, excellent man. Robert Leitzinger, not to mention son-in-law Jared Kushner of Abraham Accords fame, to name just a few. And speaking of Abraham Accords, quite possibly the most important peace agreement of this century and some decades before, you can look for them to be extended to Saudi Arabia and many others under Trump 24, even if they are luff or are undermined during the Biden administration. Trump, I would argue, has grown and learned a great deal as president. Nothing is better training for president than being president. It's the ultimate on-the-job training. He will be an improved version. He will seem more presidential. And at CPAC, he already did, oddly because he was out of office. But his biggest weakness in his second term will be the obvious one. He will be a lame duck. That's what happens. In our system, presidents lose power in their second term because they no longer hold the threat of re-election. But one thing is more certain than any of this. Years from now, decades, possibly centuries, pundits, writers, historians, college professors, if they still exist, will be going over and over the United States in the first quarter of the 21st century that will be known as the age of Trump. Why they will ponder endlessly, was America so passionately, even violently split almost as never before over a man who did no more than lower taxes a few percent, build part of a border wall similar to those in many other countries, and try to help settle an enmity between Arabs and Israelis that had gone on for over 70 years? That is a mystery that will take the 22nd century versions of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Agatha Christie, Ian Fleming, 
John LeCar, Graham Greene, and Raymond Chandler all working together to solve. Mr. Simon, while I agree with everything you said in this article, or just about everything, I can't agree with that last paragraph. I don't think it's a mystery. I don't think it will take the 22nd century versions of those esteemed mystery writers. I think it's very simply that Americans decided they've had enough, that they wanted their country back, that they were tired of third world low lives being allowed to come into this country as if they had an absolute right to be here and being encouraged to come here by people whom they voted for to represent them, not these third worlders. They had enough of their hard-earned money being taken out of their pockets and given to people who come here not looking for a better life through work, looking for a better life with their handout. People who have no skills, people who are ignorant. Maybe it's not their fault they're ignorant, but they're ignorant nevertheless. If you or I go to a foreign country and we have to fill out paperwork, if they give it to us in the native tongue of the country we're in, the chances are you and I won't be able to fill it out. That doesn't make us ignorant. It just make us, makes us less than fluent in the language of that native land. But if they took their forms and translated them into English and gave them to us, we could fill them out. When these people come here from their third world countries, we could give it to them in English, we could give it to them in their native tongue, and they still can't fill them out because they're ignorant and they're illiterate. We're not in the business of becoming a vocational training center. We want people to come here. We want people to come here who can enhance the United States, not people who are going to drag it down and become anchors of society. Now, to some people, that may sound cruel, but it's our country, goddammit. It's our country. We have a right to preserve it. You need look no further than a country like Australia, a country that was started out as a penal colony by the Brits. Now it's an independent nation. And if you have a felony conviction, they won't even let you off the plane because they're only interested in bringing people in that can enhance the country, not cause it harm or an erosion of their way of life. No, it doesn't take a mystery writer. It just takes common sense, which seems to abound in the common man and common woman. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.